Resurrection Sunday. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I've got a great anticipation about this service today. Do you have an anticipation? I mean, those uh, if you come with an anticipation and expectation, expectation is the breeding ground for a miracle. So I don't know what you came here with. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I know this. I know the devil's been fighting all night. I'm his experience that. Amen. Amen. So uh, we're not going to give him any credit. We're going to give God the glory and thank God today that he is risen. Amen. And we're here to serve him and worship him here today. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good clap offering today. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter number 24. And I'm going to read some text and then you can be seated here in just a few moments. Uh, this Resurrection Sunday is the greatest miracle that ever took place in mankind. What we are experiencing today and what we are celebrating today is something that God did over 2,000 years ago to raise his son up out of the grave so that we're still not dead in our sins. Amen? And we can come alive in Jesus Christ. How many is alive today? How many is alive in Jesus today? Amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a good hand. Hallelujah. Luke chapter number 24. Um, Luke chapter number 24, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. If you have it, simply say amen. 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 Now unto the first day of the week, that being Sunday, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And certain others were with them. And they found the stone rolled away. Look at your neighbor and say, the stone is rolled away from the sepulcher. Verse number three, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? For he is not here, but he is risen. Come on, let's say that together. For he is not here, he is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. They remembered his words. I titled the message this morning just simply, Remember the Resurrection. Remember the Resurrection. Look at your neighbor and say, Remember the Resurrection. Now help me pray. I'm praying for you. You pray for me. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you right now humbly. Lord, I'm coming to you as, as your servant, as your mouthpiece. Today, Father, I pray that you would touch me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I pray that hearts would be open today. Minds would be open today. Ears would be open today. Lord, that, uh, that we would hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. So, Father, we come to just glean from you, to worship you, magnify you. 
You're not dead. You're risen today. And Father, we thank you today that you are risen on this Sunday morning. You have it. You're not going to rise again. You've already risen. And so today we come to worship you in spirit and in truth. You must increase and I must decrease. And everybody said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, remember the resurrection. You may be seated in God's presence. We do talk back. I don't know how many of you have grown up in Pentecostal churches. We do like to talk back a little bit. I like to talk to you and I like to see a little reciprocation back. So hopefully you're not intimidated by that today. Amen. Remember the resurrection. Remember the resurrection. Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God, was beaten. He was nailed on a cross on Friday for the sins of humanity. Saturday seemed hopeless. It was solemn. It was silent. And it had come and gone. And now the greatest day in human history was here. You say, Pastor, what is so great about the fact that Jesus died? And though I'm not glad about the fact that Jesus died, I'm thankful for the fact that Jesus died. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful that he died for me. Because he died until Adam's sins, his transgressions had been forgiven. You understand? He died till every curse was reversed. He died till the law fell over into grace. He died till the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. He died until every sin that was committed was completely covered by the blood. He died until the Roman soldier fell down on his knees and he said, Surely this is the Son of the living God. Everything that we once were in Adam has been nailed on the cross, has been placed permanently as a public display of cancellation, and the sin that you and I have committed and will commit has all been covered by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, it's all been covered by the blood of the Lamb. You know what I'm talking about? The stuff that you're worried about, it's been covered. The stuff that you're struggling with has been covered. Your mistakes have been covered. Your missteps have been covered. Your mishaps have been covered. Your failures have already been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The stuff the enemy tries to torment you has already been covered by the lamp. When was it covered? It was covered on a Sunday morning over 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary where they hung him high and they stretched him wide. His blood was poured out as a sin offering. Somebody say amen. He took my place. He took your place on that cross. And though it was nasty, it was necessary so you and I can be covered and experience the saving grace, the free pardon of sin and walk in the newness of life. Somebody say amen. Aren't you thankful for the blood today? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm thankful for the blood. I'm thankful today also that I'm covered by the blood. I mean, it's covered by the blood today. The lie has been covered. The relationship has been covered. The sin has been covered. You cried over it long enough. Now you've got to understand that God has covered that thing. God has covered it. So some of you have, have been held captive to the mess that you made. And the mistakes that you have made and the devil keeps luring you into a place, listen, to try to get you to fall back into your failures, to fall back in your ways of sin, to fall back in that old mindset, to fall back into a place, this foul stench of sin that is upon your life. But I'm listen, I'm here to tell you today that the blood of Jesus, if you repent and believe the gospel, will cover every single sin, past, present and 
future. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I'm thankful today that I'm covered. Aren't you thankful you're covered? I'm not covered by all states. I'm covered by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not, I don't need to be protected from mayhem. I need to be protected from myself and my sinful desires. Can anybody testify that you're covered by the blood? I'm covered by His blood today. I'm covered. So number one, we got three points today. I don't want to be too long. we got three points. Number one, we see the case. Look at your neighbor and see the case. The case. The courtroom of life is filled and the righteous judge, one named Jesus, is presiding over your case. And I want to stop right here and thank God that Jesus is presiding over my case. I want to thank God that it's not one of my uh, friends or family member or, or used to be friend. I'm thankful today that it's not one of my foes or one of my, quote, enemies that's not presiding over my case today. I'm thankful that I got the righteous judge presiding over my case today. Aren't you thankful that you have the righteous judge that's going to do what's right in your case? Amen. So I'm thankful for him. So he's provide Jesus is presiding and the accuser of the brethren, the devil, is there to make his case against you. Doesn't this sound like the book of Job when when Job uh, is, is losing everything in his life and the enemy uh, just simply shows up before the throne of God and and, and God just simply uh, launches him into the devil's hands and says, have you tried my servant Job? Have you ever felt like you've been tried in this life? Have you ever felt like you've been tried by the enemy? Have you ever felt like that God's ears was deaf to your situation and you couldn't get up and you didn't know how to turn, where to go, what to turn to? And, and, and I love this uh, series of passages that we're reading today because I understand something about Jesus. I understand Jesus is my vindicator. I said Jesus is my vindicator. And so you see the judge that's there. You see the devil that shows up. And in this series of texts, we see that Jesus shows up onto the scene. And, and in the book of St. John, I'm, re, I'm reminded of, of, of the gospel of St. John where the woman was caught in the very midst of adultery. You remember the story. She was caught in the very midst of adultery. They drug her to the temple in the middle of the night. And they brought her to Jesus and the men said, what do you say about this woman? Now, they was trying to ensnare him. They was trying to entrap him with the law. We all understand that. They said the law states that she is to be stoned to death. The law states that she's to be stoned to death. And I love how people will go to great extremes when it's when it's someone else's sin and not their own. When, when, when somebody else has gone through a trial, when somebody else needs a little pick-me-up, when somebody else needs a little grace and mercy upon your life, sometimes you can look with a judgmental eye, but I'm thankful that God doesn't judge like we judge. I'm thankful today that He's my presiding judge. I'm thankful today that He's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for each one of us. And listen, I'm telling you today, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus and what He's did in my life. So the law states... As these men are coming to Jesus, they say this woman is to be stoned and she is to be put to death. They're ready to throw the book at her. Amen. Aren't you glad the book wasn't thrown at you? And, and, and Jesus does something very miraculous here. He, he simply just bends down and he begins to write in the sand. OK, we all remember the story. 
And I love how Jesus has the ability to silence the crowd. Jesus has the ability to silence your haters. Jesus has the ability to silence the talebearers. Jesus has the ability to silence the tattletalers and level the playing field in unusual fashion. And the only way these men would have known that this woman had committed adultery is because they were there and a partaker of it themselves. Right? And it's amazing that our sin is always looks bigger and can be exploited by those that believe that no one else knows the skeletons in their closet. But Jesus levels the playing field. Somebody said, what did he write in the sand? We can only contemplate and we can only speculate what he wrote in the sand. But I believe we will never know what he wrote because it's really none of our business. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say it's none of your business. How many are thankful that what God sees in you, he don't let everyone, in, everyone else know about it? I said, aren't you thankful today that what God sees in you, he doesn't let everyone else know about it? Amen. I'm thankful for that today. I'm thankful that God doesn't showcase my business. I'm thankful he doesn't showcase my mess. And Jesus said to the woman, where are your accusers? And he said, let he that is without sin cast the first stone. And we know the story. And they all threw their rocks into a pile and they walked out mad. Why? Because they wanted this woman to get what was due to her. I'm thankful today that I didn't get what was due unto me. Is anybody else thankful in the building by the uplift of your hand today that you're thankful that you didn't get what you had coming to you? Some of you know that you shouldn't be here today. Some of you know that it's only by the grace and the mercy of God that you're here today. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I didn't get what was due unto me. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So Jesus, he, he, he does what only he can do. He starts writing in the sand. Right. And I believe he began to remind these men, okay, of their shortcomings and their lengthy history of sin in that sand right before their eyes as a reminder that although you may be sitting on your high horse in self-righteousness and you are trying to exploit her publicly, I'm about to remind you of what you did privately. And so Jesus was saying, not so fast. I'm about to show you what you have done. I didn't forget. You haven't repented of that. See, if we repent of our sins, the book tells us that it's cast as far as the east is to the west. But these men came with a judgmental spirit. They didn't show no grace. And listen, beloved, if we can do anything in this final hour, we need to show the grace and the mercy of God to a sinful generation that needs Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Come on, somebody. We need to show the grace and the mercy of God and let you know today that there is hope for you. In the name of Jesus, there's hope for you. And she may be an adulterer, but Jesus was saying roughly this, I'm about to be the agent of change in her life. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus makes the difference in everything, in all things of life, everywhere of your life. Jesus simply makes 
the difference, every situation, whether you're talking about your family, whether you're talking about your career, whether you're talking about your finances, whether you're talking about how you treat treat people, whether you talk about your friendships, whether you're talking about your spouse, whether you're talking about your children, Jesus makes the difference. He always does and he always will. Amen. So she was this adulterer and, and, and Jesus became the agent of change in her life. Listen, God can take the most vile of sinners and change their very nature. The most vile of sinners. You heard about the man named Saul that was on the road to Damascus that later became Paul. And he was a man that murdered Christians. He was a man that had a gruesome past. He was a man that knew uh, the five books of the Old Testament by heart. He knew it by memory, but yet he did not understand the grace and the mercy of God. See, you can memorize scripture, but not let it get down into your heart and take root. And so we got to let this thing take root. So God was dealing with this, with this woman's very nature. And I want you to understand something about this woman that was caught in the dark. It didn't take him weeks to get her attention. It didn't take her months to get her attention. It didn't, it didn't take her years or even decades. Jesus would say, listen, he just simply tells the woman, as he did many other people that he healed, Many other people that he, that he helped recover their life back again, you understand. He simply said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And so that's God's grace and mercy. God's grace is saying, when he's saying, go and sin no more, that's a starting over point. That's for you to take root and start this thing all over again. How many feels like in your life, Christians and all of us here today, that you have messed up royally at some point? I've got both hands, and if I could get both feet in the air, I would have them both up. You've messed up royally, and I'm thankful today that his blood has covered me by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Somebody said, what does that mean for me? What does that have to do with me, Pastor? What does that have to do with me today? I'm here to tell you that you should have victory and you should have joy and you should have a spirit of thankfulness and gratitude because he covered your sins. I said he covered your sins and he covered my sins. And now your accuser, we remember the accuser is the devil, the accuser of the brethren. He is, listen, he no longer has a legal right over you. He can't find the sin that you've committed because it has been cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be brought up to you or you again. If you are born again. If not, the devil can have free reign in your life. You say, I, I, you know what, Brother Tim? I just, the devil's just been after me and he's been going after and doing these very... Listen, he can go after the saints of God. He won't prevail. The gates of hell can't prevail against the church. But if you're not covered by the blood, listen, the devil can run roughshod over you. He can run roughshod over your situation. I'm here to tell you that you've got to be covered by the blood. Of Jesus Christ. So if you're born again, it is covered. And when God covers you, here's the thing about God. When God covers you, the case is closed. Everybody else remembers, right? But God said he's cast it far from you. He's cast it as far as the east. I, I told somebody one time, they asked me, he said, Pastor, how do I get over people remembering my past? I said, just keep following God, keep doing good works, and God will be your vindicator. 
And all of a sudden, they'll look up and they'll forget who you were and they'll start talking about who you are, which is far more important who you were in times past. Somebody say amen. I don't want somebody continually digging in my backyard or digging in my graveyard, bringing up stuff that I did before I became a believer. I'm thankful that the blood covered all of that. It covers a multitude of sin. Amen? Come on, somebody thank God in this house today. That His blood covers a multitude of sin. Come on, somebody praise the Lord. That His blood covers a multitude of sin today. You're covered. If you're under the blood, you're covered today. You're, you're under the blood. You're under his, his place of authority. You're under His place of refuge. I'm thankful that the devil didn't win my case. And has the right to keep me locked up or bound up in bondage till I die. I'm thankful he don't have that right today. I'm thankful he don't have the keys to my life anymore. How many knows that Jesus took the keys to death, hell, and the grave? And he said, devil, you don't have authority over nothing. The keys is symbolic of authority. And if you allow Jesus to come into your life, he is the supreme authority over any and everything. And so my case has been dismissed. How about yours? My case has been dismissed because I'm covered by the blood. So number two, we see here the cross. Look at your neighbor and say the cross. The cross. If the only thing, hear me, beloved, I don't want this to be taken out of context. I don't want you to go out here and say, Pastor said a thing. If the only thing Jesus did was die on the cross, if the only thing he did was suffer and die, if all he did was take a beating and hang on the cross, and that's the emblem of victory in our lives, and, and that our, our religion is dead, and our Savior, listen, is a fraud, and we are, as Paul said, as all men most miserable. If that's it, then our faith is in vain. If He just died on the cross, then our faith is in vain. But I want you to see something in the redemption story. The cross showed His willingness to save. The cross showed His willingness, his willingness to save. The cross showed His love to save. The cross reminds us of His heart to save. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that He gave the only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But the cross is not the end of the story. If the cross is the end, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, we are still in our sins and all, all Jesus did was die. But that's not the case. Because then when you turn over the book of Romans, chapter number 1, verse number 4, Paul says Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. What we are celebrating here today, the resurrection from the dead. Look at your neighbor and say the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection, that's how he, he was declared to have power to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. It wasn't just the cross that showed he had power. It wasn't just the emptying of the tomb that showed he had power. This was not just a martyr, you understand. Jesus was not just a martyr. Joseph Smith was a martyr, okay? He, he, he was thought to be a martyr. This was not just a religious guru. This wasn't just a pitiful man that was falsely accused and was executed on a cross. The Romans were thought to have killed thousands of men on crosses. 
But when Jesus emptied the tomb on Resurrection Sunday morning, it reminded death, it reminded hell, it reminded the grave, it reminded the Jew, the Gentile, my sins, your sins, the Roman soldier, and everyone else that this is not just a common man. This was God in the flesh, the one who said, I have the power to lay my life down, and I also have the power to pick it back up again. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. When Jesus rose from the dead, it not only showed his willingness to save, it showed his power to save. Oh, hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and said, he's got all power in his hand. He's got all power. Come on, look at somebody else and say, he's got all power in his hands. Hallelujah. And this is where we are in society and where we are in the churches of God today. We know and we talk about the love of God. Uh-huh. But we know very little about the power of God. I'm thankful for the love of God. The love of God is what saves us. Amen. I'm not here to make light of the love of God, but we've got to have a total conversation about this whole thing today. It is not just about the love of God that makes me feel good. It is the power of God uh, that is fused into my spirit, into my dead heart, that makes me come alive again. Somebody say amen. So there are some people in here today, and you have no idea how you're going to get out of your cesspool of sin that you are in. Out of your place of depravity. Out of your place of addiction. Out of your place of hopelessness. You're in a family crisis. You've got relationship issues. And, you, and, and things are destroyed. And your children are lost. And, and your whole life and your whole house is going crazy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And when you thought about today, you thought, I guess I'll come to church and I'll hear another sermon about a man that died on the cross. I'm thankful he died on the cross. Is anybody thankful he died on the cross? But I'm here to tell you it was the power of God that interrupted the devil's plans. Satan thought that he wrote a beautiful ending to the story. It looked like the king died on the tree. It looked hopeless. It looked like it was the end. Or as my daddy would say, end of story. But on that first Sunday morning, oh hallelujah. I said on that first Sunday morning, it wasn't just the love of God that put him on the tree. But it was the power of God that brought him up out of the grave. Hallelujah. The power of God is resurrection power. You say, Pastor, what does that mean that the tomb is empty? Here's what it means. That when you were born again. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 11 says the same spirit. Look at your neighbor and say the same spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall also quicken. That word means or give life to your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. And this is what we have to fix right here. Because we think the power of God that saves us or the, the power that heals or delivers us is a different power than the power of the one that raised Jesus from the dead. And Paul fixes this thing. He said Jesus was dead. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't in a place of unconsciousness somewhere. He wasn't in purgatory somewhere. He wasn't in a coma, but he was dead. Look at your neighbor and say he was D-E-A-D. To the point that Joseph of Arimathea pulled his dead body off the cross, 
wrapped him in grave clothes and put him in a tomb and the Romans sealed it and the guards were watching over it so no one would steal the body. It seemed hopeless. Ever been there? Seemed like your situation was hopeless. I, I don't know where to start over again, Brother Tim. I don't know where to start over again, Pastor. I don't know where to even begin in my life. Has things ever just seemed hopeless? It seemed as though it was the end of story. That it was over with. And I think God made it seem so hopeless. I think God wait, waited three days. Don't you ever wonder why God waits to do something that he could do so quickly? Lazarus was dead for three days and, you know, he waited, and, you know, to get to him. And what he's trying to do in our life is build our faith in him. Somebody say amen. So it seemed like a hopeless situation so that, listen, so that when you and I are in a situation that looks like there is no way out. And when you have ran out of ideas and listen, our back is against the wall and everything has crumbled all around us. When everybody gives up on us and everybody says it's over and you come into a place in life that just simply seems hopeless. Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you are at the dead end of dead ends, when Satan is smiling, when the demons are dancing, no life, no hope, no way, no how. That's when God says, that's when I'm going to use my power. And somebody has showed up here today at Gospel Lighthouse on this Resurrection Sunday service. And the enemy has persuaded you that there is no way out of where you are. He has persuaded you that there's no way out. But your mind has not seen the type of power that I'm talking about work before. I'm here to tell you that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago is present right here at 13th and Askew in Kansas City, Missouri, moving in this house right now. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead if you are a born-again believer, lives on the inside of you. He's here. He's with us. He's among us. You can feel His power and His spirit and His authority and His conviction of sin. All these things. It's time to come to the cross of Jesus Christ. It's time to quit putting it off. It's time to quit passing it by. It's time to quit putting other things in front of God. We've got to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. The same power. I'm talking about resurrection power. Only God gives that type of power. Uh-huh. No matter what seems impossible, God can raise you up. And you say, Pastor, I've already tried that thing before. That's the problem. You've tried it. You've tried God, but you never trusted God. And we've got to learn in this hour not to try. God's not on trial. You understand? We are the ones on trial. We are the ones that committed the sin. He is the spotless, sinless Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. He's not on trial. We are on trial. We've got to learn to trust God in this hour. So then we see number three here. I'm trying to move along quickly here. We see the conclusion. Look at your neighbor and say the conclusion of the matter. The conclusion. The conclusion of the matter. We're going to see the conclusion of the matter. 
the situation is as such. Three days. The tomb is sealed. Life is over. Doesn't it feel that way? Heaven is weeping. Hell is howling. Satan's having a party. And by the way, he's having a party at your expense. God turned his back on his son. The angels are crying. And all of a sudden, on that resurrection Sunday morning, I want you to hear the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Everything looked dead. Everything looked dismal. Everything looked like it was over with. It seemed like there was no hope left. But it's like God said, hear me beloved, this is not how the story will end. And somebody in this place needs to hear that. That this is not how your story is going to end. We have a black sheet today. If somebody dies, if you will, in our church, you're going to have a white sheet. Some of you see yourself underneath the cover of sin. And God is saying today that this is not how your story is going to end. And so here we are. We look at your neighbor first and say, it's not going to end that way. It's not going to end that way. Come on, look at him with some confidence right square in the eyeballs and tell your neighbor, it's not going to end for me this way. I'm not going to be in a morgue somewhere. I'm not going to prematurely give my life over to Satan, die without God, die in sin, and I'm not going to live my life like that anymore. I'm no longer a slave to sin. Because this is what slavery looks like. Slavery looks like death. And the enemy tries to put on blinders of your eyes so you don't understand how big of an entanglement that you're in. But you got to say to yourself, it's not going to end like this. It's not going to end with me losing my mind. It's not going to end with me losing my joy. It's not going to end with me losing my hopelessness. It's not going to end with me using and, and at the end of my calamity. It's not going to end in death. It's not going to end in failure to fulfill the call of God upon my life. Yes, my life has been a mess. But it's not going to end without me making it known of the goodness of God in the land of the living. Somebody say amen. I know it's bad now. But this is not how my story is going to end. I'm going to follow Jesus. It's not going to end in death. It ain't going to end this way. They tried to tell Job the very same thing. You know, you've got to be careful who your counselors are. Job was a righteous man, did everything right, sacrificed for his kid, prayed over his kid, was a wealthy man. God blessed this man. And all of a sudden, when he loses everything, his friends come to him and say things like, you know what? You had to have sinned. You had to have done something. Look, can I tell you something? When you come to God, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to, everything in your life is going to be sunshines and rainbows. 
Not everything in your life is going to be good. But when life isn't good, God still is good. Somebody say amen. So you've got to understand that sometimes life will come hitting you really hard. And it will look dead. Life will look dead. Situations will look dead. But Job, he just, he just kept on living. He just kept on putting one foot in front of another. And sometimes that's all you can do. You'll go through something so difficult that all you can do is just put one foot in front of another. Just keep living. Just keep showing up. Just keep going to the prayer meeting. Just keep coming to the house of God. Just keep worshiping the Lord. Just keep praying unto the Lord. Just keep going back to the Word. Keep going back to church. Keep going back to a time of prayer. Keep going back to God. Why? Because He's your source. And you know, I could just see Job. It was almost like that man had to walk around with earplugs in his ears. Because people were just lining up, giving him one bad piece of news after another. And I want you to hear me today. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Remind yourself, I have a feeling that God did not bring me thus far to let me down and to let me die. I'm not done letting, listen, I'm done letting the devil write my story. That's a word for somebody in this. You are done today letting the devil write your story. And this is not how it's going to end for you. This is a moment in time that God has set apart for you to repent, believe the gospel, and move forward with whatever God has for you. You say, Pastor, what will that look like for me? I don't know what it will look like for you, but all I know is if you seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, all those things, what are all? All encompasses everything. It encompasses the will of God. It encompasses the call of God. It encompasses your employment, where you work, who you marry, your children, all of these things. It encompasses, all these things will be added unto you. If you'll just put God first, everything else will come right up behind it. But see, we try to get the cart before the horse and we try to get all the goods together and we try to get everything together and we let God totally out of the equation. We've got to bring God back front and center in our lives. And so Jesus told his disciples, give me three days. Three days. Three days. He didn't need a forever house. He just needed three days. Joseph's tomb was not a permanent residence. It was just simply a vacation home for the weekend. That's all Jesus needed it for. It was just a temporary residence. And God the Father said, this is not how my story, or your story, is going to end. And I can just in my spirit, seeing God, if you will, can you just see it with me today? as you look at the dead body, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ here, I can just see God the Father rolling away the stone. You say, Pastor, what does the stone represent? The stone represents every obstacle that's in your life that's trying to keep you from getting to God. The stone, the enemy will blind you with all kinds of stuff. And those things become a stone in your life. Those things become so immovable. Those things become and feel like it's so impassable. So God the Father shows up and He just simply rolls away the stone. How many is thankful that He rolls away the stone in your life? 
How many is thankful that he rolls away the stones in your life, the big issues and the trials and the things that you can't lift yourself, the things you can't get there by your own self. God lifts and carries the burden of those things and he moves them out of the way. And here he shows up to the tomb and he rolls the stone away. And then what happens next? Get ready, LT. God the Father rolls the stone away. And then all of a sudden, come on somebody, the Holy Spirit infiltrates that cave. And all of a sudden, the dead body of Jesus starts to come alive again. And He gets up off of that tomb. He gets up off of that stone. And all of a sudden, He stands to His feet. And you see the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost begin to move in His life. Resurrection power. Hallelujah. What seemed dead can be risen to life once again when you give your life to Jesus Christ. It's not dead. It's not over. Cast the sheet aside. Tell the devil to take a hike and move forward with God. Come on. You've got to have, you've got to have a backbone in this era. I was going to say something, but I'm going to withhold that. But one thing we need to be careful of, listen, we, we, we've got to start telling the enemy to take a hike. Stop letting him infiltrate your mind, infiltrate your life, infiltrate your body, infiltrate your families, infiltrate your situation to the point to where everything seems dead. God, the Holy Spirit will show up and bring life to you every single time. So God the Father, he rolled the stone away. And there will always be obstacles in your way to your miracle. Always. You know, those people at work that drive you crazy. They can become your obstacle. Sometimes it can even be our family. That can become our obstacle. There will always be obstacles in the way of your miracle. And the Holy Ghost walked up into that tomb and he entered the dead body of Jesus and he got up out of the grave. I said he got up out of the grave. He got up and because he got up, we can get up. Because he got up, we can get up. You say, Pastor, that's impossible. I didn't say he didn't die. I said he didn't stay dead. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here to raise you up. And I'm thankful for the love of God. Aren't you thankful for the love of God? But I need the power of God to get me out of my mess. I need the power of God. But pastor, you don't understand how bad I've been. I may not understand, but the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you, and you've got to tell yourself, this is not how my story is going to end. It's not going to end like this. It's not going to end going to... Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There is a real heaven, but there is a real hell. There's a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to shun, beloved. There is a real, literal place called hell that if you do not repent of your sins and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are on your way to hell. I know that ain't popular. That's not part of the love of God. That's part of the power of God. Because listen, we've got to, we've got to allow our mind to transform just for a little bit. We've got a lot of old things that have plugged our minds, plugged our thought processes. 
that have plugged our, our lives. And, and listen, I don't know about you, but I need the power of God. Somebody said, Pastor, do I start rebuking the devil? Can I just be bold and honest with some of you today? The devil has left you because he perceives that he's already got you and you will never turn your situation around. He's already left you 100,000 miles ago. He thought he's already got you on a train. He's already got you cuffed up. He's already got you in a position where you're going to fail. He's already seeking his next prey. He's already got you. But you got to hear the spirit of the Lord that's coming on the inside of you right now that says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here today and is quickening my mortal body. And all you've got to do is respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repent and believe the gospel. And the Lord will come in, enter into your heart and life and change everything for his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People that love us will, and I'm, I'm bringing this to a landing strip, Pastor Sandra, if you'll come. People will love us, and people that love us will, will go to great extremes to show how much they love us. How much they care for us. We all need those people in our life. Amen? But that's what the cross was. The cross was showing you how much God loves you. How much God is in love with His people. To the point to where He said, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died. I, I could see if I was doing well and I, I was doing good and my life was kind of turned around and I was getting it back on track. I could see how God would die for that person. But a wretched sinner like me And some of you feel like you've got so many skeletons in your closet, you don't have a big enough graveyard to bury them all. But the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. And I'm going to finish here. Stand to your feet for just a few moments. Here's what I want to finish with. If the cross doesn't move you. If the emptying of the tomb does not move you, there's no bag of tricks on the face of this earth that's going to cause you to turn your life over to God. This is the message that you have to respond to today. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your heart as in the provocation. When you hear the voice of God speaking on the inside of you, you need to respond in that moment. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I, I've got so much of a mess going. Listen, I may not understand, but God in the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of us. And because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because, because He lives, all fear is gone. So I want us today to remember the resurrection. And when you remember the resurrection, when you remember this message, because God will bring it back to your remembrance at some point in your life and in your plight. When you remember the resurrection, remember that God is able to accomplish anything that you are in need of. There's nothing too big for God. There's nothing too difficult from God. 
There's nothing so big and so magnanimous that He cannot take care of. There's nothing too big for our Savior. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's drugs and alcohol and everything in between and 47 other things that I'm not even going to mention right now. But all I know is that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in this house today quickening your spirit saying come alive again come alive in Jesus Christ come on bow your heads for just a moment bow your heads for just a moment you said I'm going to ask the question Pastor, who in this place right now with every head bowed and every eye closed nobody looking around for just a moment who in this place right now would say pastor I have not been serving God maybe you've walked away from the Lord Maybe your situation seems dismal. You can come up with a hundred thousand different things. I don't know what they are. And to be honest with you, God knows and I don't need to know. But you would say right now, Pastor, I need to submit myself unto Jesus Christ. I need to turn my life over to God. Just lift your hand up and back down real quick. Lift your hand up, back up and back down real quickly. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand. Anyone else? The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, I'm telling you, it's appointed unto man once to die and there after the judgment. And God has left a space and a span of time. And this is your moment. This is your hour. And the Holy Spirit is walking up and down these aisles. And He's saying, just come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God is here to bring rest to your wearisome soul right now. I'm crying out and I'm calling out this pastor at 13th and asking, I'm crying out that you would just hear the voice of God right now. One more time. Anybody else? Pastor, I need to submit my life to Jesus. I see that hand. Anyone else? I see that one and that one. Anyone else? I see. Any, come on. Anybody else? Come on. This is, this is your time. This is your moment. This is it right here, right now. This is your time. I'm going to give just a few more seconds. Don't be distracted by what's happening around you. Just engulf yourself in what God is saying to you for just a few more moments. Is that you? You need to repent of your sins. You need to move forward with God. And you realize and you hear this preacher's voice today and you say, this is my moment. Is that you? Lift your hand and back down. I see that one. Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm going to hold out just a little bit longer. Because eternity is a long time. You can't put a number on eternity. And you got the opportunity and you got the moment right now to change your life and submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you submit and resist, God will move in on the inside of you right now. So here's what I want us to do. There were several of you that raised your hands. I want us to just all come. I don't know how we're all going to fit up here. We'll figure it out once we get here. Amen. So we'll all come up toward the altar. And I want us to just grab hold of hands as we come up this way. Come on, everybody just come. Somebody lead the way. Help me lead the way. Come on, everybody just, just come on up. From youngest to oldest to smallest to tallest, just come up around this altar. Everybody, just come on up. Just come on up. Everybody.
Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. Come on up. Come on. Come on. I won't embarrass you. I promise you. I will not embarrass anybody. I will not embarrass anybody. But if you raised your hand, or you should have, we're going to join together in hearts with hearts and lives right here. Listen, there's several people in this church that came out of some really deep, dark sin. But yet God is using them right now for His glory. Do you realize that you have something God wants to use on the inside of you? When I was 17 years old, I never in a million years would have thought I was going to stand up behind a metal lectern and give a message of the gospel of Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. But the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickened my mortal body. And I realized that I was no longer living for myself, but I had a calling that God had upon my life. And I wanted to do everything that I could to fulfill that call. And it's taken and morphed into several different things over the years. I, I worked in children's ministry. I worked in music ministry. I worked in shut-in ministry. I've worked all over the place. I was a senior pastor at another church. I've been the pastor here going on 10 years next year. It's morphed into all kinds of different things. I don't know what your life is going to look like and where God's going to take you, but I know He's going to take you somewhere. And He's going to use you for His glory. And everybody that's surrounding you that's saved today felt that same tugging and nudging through the power of the Holy Ghost. And their body was quickened and raised up again in the newness of life. And they're walking in freedom. They're walking in truth. You say, Pastor, are they struggling? Are they dealing with stuff? We all struggle. I didn't tell you the story, but last night I was vomiting up until 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Got up at 6 o'clock this morning. Still vomiting. Sick. Tired. Weary. Headache. All kinds of things happening. And I'm saying to myself, God, I've got to go and pastor this church. I've got to go preach on Resurrection Sunday. Listen, beloved, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. The difference is when you don't have God, you don't have nobody to turn to. Oh, hallelujah. I need a Savior. I need a Deliverer. He's my ever-present help in time of trouble. And I begin to call upon God and Tara begin to lay hands on me. And the guys before service laid hands on me. And I feel much better right now. I feel His resurrection power on the inside of me. The same Spirit. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to just join hands with any, somebody around you right now. Just join hands together. And come on, I want us to all pray together. Saints of God, lift your voice and let the atmosphere be heard with your voices right now. Come on, just begin to pray for a few moments. For those of you that need to turn your life over to God, the Bible said if you confess your sin, if you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just begin to confess your sin and tell God that you repent of those things. And God, I'm not going to go back to that. I'm not going to be like a dog that returns to his vomit. God, I've got a, a, you've got a plan for me. You've got a plight for me. And I'm going to move forward. I want to experience new life in my life. I want to experience resurrection power. Maybe for the first time or maybe for the 50th time. But I pray this time it sticks. Lord, let it stick right now. Let it stick. 